0: this land to the rocky mountains travel this it's time to travel this land with canada's singing storyteller whiz Bryant. This to the and this on today's program whiz takes us on a trip travel to newfoundland land to land land for a look at canada's rugged maritime heritage and the story of our atlantic this fisheries in the tale of the outport man outport the word at least is familiar to many canadians It conjures up an image of a small isolated community with its brightly painted houses perched on the rocky shore of a small cove somewhere up there along the vast fjorded coast of the biggest rock of all, Newfoundland. It conjures up images of the generic Newfoundlander, a hard-working but sometimes unemployed fellow. Almost always, an independent fisherman with a dialect that most mainlanders can barely understand and a distinctive culture and way of life that most mainland Canadians find both bewildering and fascinating. Canadians have heard the hundreds of Newfie jokes, one of the most popular among Newfoundlanders being what's black and blue and floating in the sea, a mainlander telling Newfie jokes. Newfoundland was the last province to join Confederation and will remain so at least until the Northern Territories obtain provincial status. Some of our images of Newfoundland are correct, for the fisheries remain its greatest and most permanent resource and its vibrant and unique culture has indeed been shaped by centuries of an isolated maritime way of life that still goes on today. It was the rich fishing banks off the coast of Newfoundland, the most famous being the Grand Banks, that first drew Europeans to cross the Atlantic almost 500 years ago. The codfish, still a staple of the fishing industry, was the most plentiful. It was easy to catch and dried and salted It was easy to preserve and transport back to the distant European ports. Present-day Newfoundlanders are descendants of the early English and Irish fishing fleets. Small communities or fishing stations began to take root in the harbors of Newfoundland in the early 18th century. Eventually, the highly independent Newfoundlanders developed a great schooner fleet. The industries of fishing were tied to shipbuilding, to shipping and trade. This was the mid-1800s, and became somewhat of a golden age of prosperity for the Maritimes. The schooner fleets sent out their fishermen in small boats called dories, and from these they harvested their catch of cod, halibut, and haddock. The speed of the schooners enabled the fishermen to catch their fish and to get them to market without spoiling. Along Canada's Atlantic coast today, there are still at least 1,000 communities that are mostly are wholly dependent upon fisheries. Most are hamlets of less than 500 people. Between Newfoundland and Nova Scotia, these communities account for 75 to 80 percent of Atlantic fish output, and it's here you'll find the Outport Man. spray, oh can we set our sails once again. And haul away, haul away, haul away, haul away, haul away, haul away, outport man. Let's haul away, haul away, haul away, haul away, haul away, haul away, outport man. In Newfoundland today, there are many part-time fishermen. Most depend on fisheries to supplement their income, and many of them, I believe, continue to participate because they are strongly attached to fishing as a way of life. It's part of their deep-rooted culture, their family tradition, and in many ways it defines their very identity. Fishing makes up about 65% of total income for most of these people. A major income supplement is unemployment insurance. This is something that all of the self-employed owner-operators and crews are entitled to the average annual income is between five and twelve thousand dollars which of course is not an adequate personal income. Since World War I the Atlantic fisheries have undergone great changes. It's now a rather uneasy alliance between the government, the big processing plants, and the independent fishermen. Fleet ownership by corporations involved in the fish processing has come to dominate the industry which I suppose was inevitable. Atlantic Fisheries was a $2.9 billion industry in 1985. There are four firms that now handle over 60% of the regional output of ground fish. About 40% of the fish are caught by their own fleets. These corporations account for 80 to 90% of the export trade and supply us with our convenience foods. Canada absorbs about a third of the annual fish production but the Canadian fish trade has always been strongly export-oriented we are the biggest exporters of fish in the world 60 percent goes to the US market about 20 percent to Japan who provide almost exclusively the market for herring roe and eggs Europe takes about 15 percent mostly canned salmon herring and the Caribbean and Mediterranean countries continue be a big market for salted and dried codfish. Refrigeration made a big difference to the fishing industry and of course the introduction of radio, sonar, and radar in the 1940s. The fishing industry is always, it seems, going through periodic crises. Between 1959 and 1974 the big corporations multiplied their fleets five times. This incredible increase in capacity combined with foreign and domestic fleets, naturally serve to deplete the fish stocks and drive down incomes for our outport man. The big processors have developed fleets of over 50 large trawlers. These are ships that drag big conical nets along the bottom and scoop up everything that's there. Basically, what we've had is a boom-bust cycle in the Atlantic fishing from the 1960s right up to the present. The government passed the 200-mile limit law in the mid-70s and this has made quite a difference. The fisheries themselves remain common property, so you've got each fisherman trying to carve out his share of the catch. Sometimes this makes for a lot of tension and occasional conflict. companies currently dominate the offshore ground fish industry ground fish include the redfish the flounder crayfish sea scallops crab and shrimp the independent fishermen tried to control the supply in 1983 and there has been a lot of tension between the processing companies and the various unions mainly the newfoundland fishermen food and alliance workers union and the maritime fishermen's union The Canadian Saltfish Corporation is a crown corporation that the federal government has set up and it basically has a monopoly on the marketing of saltfish from Newfoundland. What the Newfoundlander and other maritime provinces have ended up with is an industry that alternates between expressions of independence and requests for government help. It has the built-in conflicts of private enterprise in a common property industry. Fortunately, the current interest in healthier eating habits has given a big boost to the seafood industry. The call of the sea is still strong in the Maritimes, particularly in Newfoundland. A whole way of life exists there, and it's all because of the incredible resource that is represented by the Atlantic fisheries. The crafts, the traditions, the cooking, art and music of the Newfoundlanders all bear witness to their fierce pride in unique and often difficult way of life. But I believe they will survive and with proper management the fisheries will too. It's a renewable resource but it's going to require a tremendous amount of cooperation and wisdom between the governments, the corporations, and the fishermen to keep it alive. I for one love Newfoundland and what it represents to all Canadians. They are a warm and generous people whose hospitality is famed throughout the world. As long as there be fish in the sea by, may there continue to be an outport man. Hey, Flynn. To Hudson's You've been traveling this land with travel Canada's land singing storyteller, Whiz Bryant. Please feel free sea. to write to us with your comments. Travel We'd be delighted to hear from you. Thank you for listening, and join us again next time travel for another fascinating Canadian tale travel and story land. and song as we continue to travel this land. And travel this land.